Hey, Nina, something happened very recently that's really exciting for our podcast. Somebody reached out to you, which was incredible, and said, I have some questions and I would like your feedback. Tell us a little bit about what happened and why that is inspiring us for this particular podcast. It's really exciting when someone comes to us with a question so that you know, we can ponder it and think about it. And the neat thing about her question is that it applies to our daughters as well. And so this is something we've talked about with our with our own kids and even things that we, we want to do preparing them. She is in a season of singleness, which is awesome. And she's loving it. She's following the Lord and she loves what the Lord is doing in her life as being a single lady I think she has a pursuer. And so she's struggling between not wanting to give up that blessing of being a single woman serving the Lord, but then also maybe not wanting to miss out on marriage and wanting to know, is there is there good things about marriage? Are there bad things about marriage? Like, you know, and weighing out singleness versus being married. So these are very important topics, especially as people move from like childhood into adulthood. And so that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. We're super excited to receive a question from our listeners, and I'm going to provide a link in the description. If you have questions for the Encourage Inspire podcast that you want Nina and I to answer, please send an email to that email address. We would love to, to ponder your questions as well. Hey friends, welcome to the Encourage Inspire podcast. My name is Nina. And I am Nathan. In this episode, we will be talking about pursuing godly marriage. Now, before you think, well, I don't want to be married or I'm already married, this message is both for singles and those who are already married. And we have one other category for parents, what to be thinking about as you talk about marriage with your kids. We are super excited about this topic. Our passion is building faithful families. Thank you for walking alongside us as we share stories and talk about the lessons we are learning. Hey, Nina, for me, there are two things that I would recommend to my friend as the starting point, as the base. And these are two qualifications that a young lady in particular would want to be looking for in a man. And the first for me is that that young man needs to be a follower of Jesus. Now, I carefully did not say he needs to be a Christian. Why are we focusing on the follower of Jesus or why would we focus on being a disciple of Jesus Christ versus what a lot of people would be saying, well, we want somebody to be a Christian? Not only do I I want to encourage single ladies, our daughters, whoever is seeking someone for pursuit in marriage, not to be someone that is just saying I'm a Christian by name only, because anyone could say oh, I'm a Christian, and they could mean my parents were Christian, so I'm a Christian. We're specifically saying a follower of Christ because we want our friends and our daughters to be seeking men who have a definite relationship with Jesus Christ, who have asked for forgiveness of their sins and have accepted Christ as the boss of their life because we want the people in our life to to find that person that that wants to follow the Lord. And then that person will be someone that will be a better leader, you know, as they pursue family and family life. So a verse that comes to mind is the verse about equally yoked. And so when we think of raising our children and when we think of our friends and, and families we're involved with, we do desire that they are 
on the same page spiritually with potential mates or potential boyfriends, girlfriends, what, whatever that might be. So to Nina's point, a, a follower of Christ for me would have two definitions in their life. One, one aspect or definition would be that they, they have knowledge of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and only through faith in him they, they are redeemed and saved and, and their sin is, is erased. But then also that second aspect is they reject the old life, the world, and the sin in their, their life, and, and they repent and turn towards Christ and let him be fully in charge. In our family, and we've said this on the podcast several times, Lord or our forever boss. And so that's the, the verbiage we use with our children. We want that future person that's going to be in their life to be surrendered to their forever boss. That's, that's Jesus Christ. So, so that first requirement that they're seeking, the first requirement is to be a, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, not just a cultural Christian. The second, and, and we have five daughters first, so we had been crafting our message towards our daughters. We're going to take a little uh, twist or spin and talk about how this applies to our son in just a moment. But we are also encouraging and convicted that our daughters need to be looking for men who at some time in the future are ready to lead their families. Now, I want to clarify something real quick. We do not have any relationships in our family that we're talking about right now. <laughs> we are talking about this, and we've talked about this over and over and over and over with our daughters in particular in preparation for a future event. Now, a young man comes to our house and says, Mr. Nathan, I am interested in your daughter. I don't have an expectation that he is fully developed as a man to be ready to lead in that moment. I think that's too high of an expectation. Mm -hmm. But his pursuit under the authority of Jesus Christ that he pursues becoming a leader, not only for one of my daughters, but for the possibility of, of additional family members being added to his family. And again, I think we can fit everything under a follower of Christ being ready to lead his family. Yeah, pursuing Christ, that whoever it is, myself including, I, w I want to be pursuing and seeking Christ. And so that's what we want other believers to be doing as well. And I think that's what we want. And you want to find that in a person that you're, if you're a single person and you're pursuing a possible marriage situation, that's what you're looking for. These are our convictions, the things that we say are must. Now, I want to make sure that as believers, we, we commit to these convictions. Now, if our daughter wants to have a preference, or if our friend in this case that you know wrote in the questions for us, what do we think about preferences? Up to that person, right? Right. I mean, we, we all have different preferences in, in things that that we find maybe attractive in, in a, um, the opposite sex, um, preferences in lots of different categories in life, right? But that conviction that you have about, you, you want to be on the same page, entering marriage, you yes. want to be on the same page spiritually with your with that potential spouse. And so I it's such a... Um, just important topic that we we've really tried to encourage in, in our family and instill in our family's mind mm -hmm. that's what we're teaching our daughters those young women in our lives that we care about so much that's what we're teaching them to look for 
our daughters to look for that. Our son, we're teaching him to be those things. Now, we, we do teach our daughters what it means to be followers of Christ, but our son, we're not teaching him to look for a woman that will lead him. We need mm. to teach him to be the leader. And those different perspectives, I, I think for the young men that we are blessed to mentor and equip and train as fathers, we need to be teaching our sons to be leaders. Mm. That one day... When the time comes, they're ready to leave their wi- lead their wives. I said leave. No, no, no leaving your wives. Lead your wife, their wife, and lead their future families. But if there is someone out there that is a, a male who is supposed to be single, we still want them to be leaders. They won't be necessarily leading a family, but they might be leading a spiritual family. So it applies even if they're not pursuing marriage that – we want to raise godly men who pursue Christ and his kingdom. Mm, that's a great point. So the pursuit of all of our children, the, all of our friends' contacts that we're a part of their discipleship is, how do you know and how do you live out your life as a follower of Jesus and how do we lead others well? Yeah. But but how how long do you think we've been talking to our girls about this? Well, I was trying to think about that because this all really started – when we lived overseas and there was we had some people that were in our life that we were trying to help uh, kind of Think guide them relationships. yeah guide them through some relationships that was going on in their life and and i think it was in about that time so at least i think about 7 years ago that we started this with with our kids because of of the young adults that were in our life that we were trying to just help. So everybody, let's back up. Our oldest is 16. We've been talking about this in our family for seven years. That means our oldest was nine. We had a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, and like we we four year old we're not talking about children who have a full understanding of even liking somebody else yet but we wanted to lay these foundations of marriage and that pursuit of godly marriage and and lay the foundation so that as the opportunities come that we don't have to like we're not three steps behind we're a thousand steps ahead and and it doesn't guarantee that everything's going to be perfect right right but but we wanted to be ahead of the curve on defining what godly marriage looks like. And so we repeat this often as a family. And I'll ask my daughters, what are the two conditions or or requirements that dad wants for you and a future husband? And they will say, he needs to be a follower of Jesus and he needs to be ready to lead his family. And again, to clarify, that doesn't mean a 16-year-old ready to lead a family at 16, but he's growing in his leadership so that when the time comes, he's able to lead his family. I agree. I advocate for marriage. I think it's a great thing for me. I greatly appreciate that God placed you in my life. I agree. And in the ministry we're able to do and the encouragement we're able to be for each other. So, I mean, marriage for me has been wonderful. And for me. I'm glad. <laughs> Singleness is not a second best option. Singleness is a gift from God. And uh, I, I never want somebody in my life who God is gifted with singleness to think that they're second rate. Mm-hmm. So something I think we need to look at real quick is 1 Corinthians 7.7, 7, because Paul in this verse is actually advocating that singleness, you know, he, he lived a single life, and, and there were blessings and benefits of that. 
And so let's check and see what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, 7 about singleness, just so we have a full perspective of, of this. I wish that all were as my, myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. And in this context, Paul's talking about relationships. So he wishes more people were like himself. Now, he's not commanding more people to be like himself, but he's saying, if more people were like me, there's benefits to the kingdom and benefits to the gospel. So let's kind of talk about the advantages of singleness. And in a moment, we'll talk about some of the challenges of singleness. So Mm -hmm. what are some things people can do as single believers, as ministers of the gospel who are single that you maybe can't do as a married couple or as a family? I would say that their their time is a little bit more available because they can be spontaneous with their time. It, they don't need to be checking in with their spouse about, okay, I want to go and do this ministry or this is, you know, however God has gifted that person, they can seek that immediately and work through it quickly, spontaneously, often you know there's there's a lot of things that i can see how god could use someone that is single that that would be a li- that is more challenging being being married so what i hear you saying is potentially not guaranteed but perhaps more buffer time and more spontaneity in how to use that time is that is that I think correct so, yeah okay so let's think of of another priority. Um, I, I love you. I love our family, but the size of our family creates complexities that a single person doesn't deal with. Mm-hmm. And, and also to your point of time, if, I, if I'm if i needed outside of our home, I do need to make sure that our home is well taken care of as well. For me to, to do something just to on a whim to get up and leave for three days, <laughs> that that is not good for our home. And and I'm, I'm not complaining. I, I love the complexity the gift of of our family but even with the size of our family there's these added layers of working through different emotions and different personalities that that comes into play we want to be unified oh yeah and and so you know that sometimes that you're you're working through things you're praying about things and so some of that takes even more time you want to be on the same page with one another we want to be on the same page as a family just moving forward with what god wants us to do that can take extra time just because of so many people being involved that is a good word because how god speaks to you and how god speaks to me even if he's directing us in the same way we're processing life differently and we're we're working through that at a different rate or with a different mindset. So yeah, really, really good word. Are there are there any other advantages in addition to what we've said, how Paul's talking about more availability for kingdom work? And and not that within our families, I, I, I want everybody listening that has families to the podcast today to consider kingdom work part of your family. It's not an add-on. Mm. It's not something extra. It's not a compartment of life that's separate from family life. Kingdom work needs to be integral and and uh, like an intertwined part of life. But for as everyone, a, for everyone, yeah. But as a single person, you can exercise some of these other advantages to maximize kingdom work. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, on the flip side, um, singleness 
is equally challenging in different ways than what a marriage would be like. And I want us to think of Genesis 2.18, and that's a verse that talks about how God is giving Adam a suitable helper. Some of the advantages of, of marriage, when God gave you to me as a suitable helper, it combated loneliness. It is one way that God helps protect us from sexual temptations because those urges in marriage, you get to enjoy and exercise that within marriage. Did you want to read that verse? I can read it. Sure. Hey, let's, let's pull in some more scripture today. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. What are some other ways that God uses us in each other's lives or in the lives of, of marriages? What are some of those advantages that we're talking about? I think a healthy, good marriage is that there's going to be some accountability with one another to our spiritual life and with other things in life. I think there's a neat opportunity for accountability within marriage. One thought that came to mind for me is I feel like you're a built-in, ready-made minister of the gospel with me. Mm. So as we're thinking of how do we do life together in our home, with the church, outside of our home, you come to mind for me. Like you're my you're my suitable helper, not just in life physically, emotionally, which I appreciate all of those things a hundred percent, but also spiritually. I don't want to use like the what is it, the Jerry Maguire, you complete me. I'm not <laughs> not going down that path, but you're you're a compliment to me and what God has planned for me. And I, I appreciate that. So if, if you're operating in singleness, you have to find that person in a different relationship in a different way. It, it goes the same for me with, with you. I, I appreciate being able to come to you, ask you for wisdom, because you are someone that gives wisdom out in, in a unique way. You're able to look at a perspective very middle ground and, and see see all the variables going on and just and not only do you want to give out God's wisdom but you just he's gifted you with that and so I appreciate being able to do life with you and do do ministry with you just because of how God has made you to be thanks for that so we've talked about these two requirements for our daughters we want them to be looking for followers of Jesus we want them to be looking for a man who will be ready to lead his family. And again, we've qualified and clarified someday in the future for our son. We want to instruct him what it means to be a follower of Jesus for our daughters as well. But we want to instruct him how to be that leader for his family someday. There, there's some other considerations I think we need to be thinking about when we're, we're counseling single people in our life, our children included, Something that I just received this week, which was really important. I, I knew it. I'd heard about it. I'd thought about it, but it hit me in a different way. When you're thinking about marriage, the person you're inviting into your life to be your soulmate, to be your partner, we need to pick somebody that we're willing to allow God to use to change us. Just to simplify that in case that got too complicated. We're not talking about picking somebody that we think we can change. We're picking a partner who we are going to let God use to change us. So when I think about my pursuit of you as I wanted to marry you, I don't know if I was thinking of that like in my 20s. Mm. 
because quickly we realized we didn't think the same way and we didn't have the same strengths. We, we, we had the same convictions, Mm -hmm. like the important things were on the same page, but God has definitely used you to change me, to make me look more like Jesus. And so for a single friend, if you're looking at somebody are you going to let God use that person to make you different, to make you look more like Jesus? Because that can be painful. Mm. And I'm not saying you're painful. Just that process of being changed, right? that when, hurts sometimes. When God wants to work on our hearts and uses someone else to be that minister. Yeah. I remember in our um, premarital counseling that, that this was one of those call-outs. And the thing that came to mind for me is our minds process at a different rate. And I could have viewed that as a weakness, but it's actually something God has used in my life to slow me down, to make me more thoughtful, <laughs> to not shoot from the hip all the time. And if I look back at you know the the years of marriage, I, I'm I've been changed by that. Mm. But there's also one more thing I think women in particular need to be thinking about. This is something we need to teach our g- girls in particular, and we've been talking to them about. Not only do you need to Make sure you're choosing somebody in your life that God wants to use to change you. For for young ladies, you need to acknowledge honestly if you are ready to be led. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what uh, some of our the young people that were in our life when we were overseas. That's that was the challenge that you gave them. Is are you ready for that? And I think that's what really got the wheels moving. Like, ooh, I don't know if. In that moment, if she was ready for someone to to lead her, she got to a place where she was able to surrender that to the Lord and and then be able to say, yeah, I'm ready for this person to lead me. But I think it's a very important thing to discuss and that that we've already been discussing with our our daughters. But the thing is, is everybody, like if you're going to fill out a survey, am I a good follower? Most of us are going to go, yes, right? It's one of those things you don't want to say, no, I'm a bad follower. It's the same like, do I, am I a good self-starter? Most people say yes, but most of us are awful at it. You got to be honest with yourself and your singleness. As a man, are you ready to lead? As a woman, are you ready to be led? And if, if you can't answer that as a man, I'm ready to lead, you probably, not, not that you sh- probably shouldn't, you shouldn't be in a marriage relationship. And if you're a woman and you're not ready to be led, I would strongly advise against moving in that direction. We're speaking singleness right now. If you're single and this is happening, there might be some marriages where you're already in a marriage and you haven't thought about those things to that depth. So I would say we that you need to surrender those things to the Lord and ask Him to help you move in that direction. And, and good call out. We're still talking about singleness right now, and we'll have some points and tips and and thoughts about what if you're in a marriage and some of these things aren't in place right now. So we'll hold that a little bit for the end. But yeah, uh, friend, if you're questioning, is it right to be married right now? If you're a man, if you're not ready to lead, it's not right to be married. If you're a woman, if you're not ready to be led, it's not right to be married. And for both of you, if you're not ready for God to use that other person to change you, then it's not right to be married. Nina, as we were dating, uh, a thought came to my mind often, and I know we were kind of in this uh, young love kind of moment, and I, I felt sappy a lot. You still make me feel sappy. But I had this thought that 
I felt like I can't live without you. And I know this is something that is perpetuated in the movies. Well, he just can't live without her. She can't live without him. I think that's an important part of marriage. But the other part of marriage is maybe I don't think I can live without you, but I need to be honest with myself. Can I spend the rest of my life with that person? So if you're thinking about marriage, I think you should have both of those. So one's like a emotional connection. I can't live without them. I just can't imagine emotionally being separated. But mentally, will I show up every single day? Do you have any thoughts about that? When you're first with someone, I think you kind of lean towards the, oh, I can't live without this person. I can't imagine my life without this person. And those are those are good things. You You want to have that. I think as believers, as we prayerfully are seeking, am I supposed to marry this person? Am I am I supposed to be with this person for the rest of my life? Because that's the goal, right? I mean, that's the goal for, for marriage is that we're going to spend the rest of our life together. Then I think you do have to ask that second question is, can I be with this person with all their, you know, weaknesses, with all their, you know, quirkiness or whatever it might be? Am I willing to say yes to that for the rest of my my life or the rest of the time God allows us to be married together on this earth? And Nina wasn't trying to peg it on the other person and their weaknesses and their quirkiness. We have to realize that am I willing to spend the rest of my life with that person in their weaknesses and quirkiness, but because I also have weaknesses and quirkinesses. So, you know, something that you might have thought was adorable when you were dating, it just bugs the living daylights out of you. Or something that's even more challenging is you're doing well with your spouse, but you got six kids that are running around the house and collectively (laughs) they're able to trigger all of those things in your life. Like, I I don't, I don't want that. Well, that's life. That's, Mm. that's what you have. And in thinking about marriage, uh, it's beautiful to think about the next steps with the person you're with. If, If you're blessed with having a family larger than, than you and your spouse, you really need to be thinking about those next steps as well. Mm. Yeah. Something I something I hear and it makes me cringe. And I don't think it's biblical. Is the whole phrase happy wife, happy life. I hear believing communities, I hear jokes about it in church. Um I I don't think there's anything in scripture that that states and confirms happy wife, happy life. You're my wife. I I want to hear from you. What are your thoughts about that? And why is, what, like, why would it be wrong if my desire is to make you happy? And that's the ultimate desire of my life. As believers, we are not trying to pursue happiness either in A, someone else, or B, the things of this world. Mm. Our pursuit is to look more like Christ. Our pursuit is to be holy as Jesus has called us to be to be like him. And some of Jesus' commands even as followers of Christ, he did not say, oh, now you are going to have this happy life. He said, "There will be you will be persecuted for my name's sake. 
You are going to go through tough times, but I'm, I'm going to be with you. You're going to experience troubles and pains, but I'm going to be there with you as you go through those things. And mm-hmm. so I think it's inaccurate to expect that out of a spouse, um, let alone I can't be I can't be that for you. Not that we can't be happy with one another. I, you know, I have lots of happy thoughts about you and and memories with you. But if that's my ultimate pursuit, then I, my eyes are on the wrong thing. And and I think just let's jump straight to it. If I prioritize your happiness, I idolize you. Mm. If you become my idol and I take my eyes off the Lord, then then you are a replacement for God in my life. Something that that you mentioned earlier, you spoke of joy. True happiness, that true joy can't happen outside of holiness. We've we've heard people in relationships outside of relationships. Doesn't God just want me to be happy? No, no, no. God just doesn't want you to be happy. God desires you to find holiness in him. And joy in him. And after we have found our holiness in him, we do find that joy. I want to read Psalm 1, uh, verse 1 and 2. And it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, and what we're talking about, his delight, his happiness, his joy, is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. So instead of us trying to justify happiness as emotion. It's talking about seeking the Lord and finding His ways. That's where true joy comes. And so for me to idolize you and put you over God's instruction in my life, there's no way either of us can find that joy, that true happiness. Husband out there, yes, I, I think you should pursue your wife and lead her in such a way where she will experience happiness and joy. But your ultimate pursuit, if you're pursuing that, if only her happiness matters to you, then then you're missing the mark. And if that ever happens in my life, then I'm missing the mark mm. as well. I know the phrase you were using was happy wife, happy life. But my happiness can't be from you either. You know, I, I have to be pursuing the Lord as well. Mm. And as we both pursue the Lord and we're drawing closer to the Lord, I think that's when we will uh, we're gonna have a, we're gonna experience even a, a sweeter, better relationship. Agree, hundred percent. So I think we need to turn a little bit from the conversation we've been having. We've we've set up these conditions or requirements. I guess is a better way to say it. I want my daughters to find a man who's going to be a follower of Jesus. I want that man at to some point in the future, be ready to lead his family. I want my son to be a follower of Jesus. I want him to lead his family well someday in the future. We need to acknowledge that God's going to put people in our life who will change us. We need to be ready for that if we're pursuing marriage. Um, If we've already experienced marriage, we know that that's true, right? (laughs) We need to look for people that honestly we would go, I can't live without that person, but I'm going to commit every day of my life from this point forward to be with that person. And ladies out there, if you are not ready for a man to lead you in a godly marriage, then I believe you're you're not ready for marriage. And the reverse is men, if you're not ready to lead right now, then you're not ready for marriage. Now, those are all the prerequisites. We're talking to our friend, answering her question. We've told this to our kids over and over and over. Now let's take a moment and step back and talk about marriages that are not where people want them to be. 
maybe they got off the right track and they're thinking happy wife, happy life, and they've realized the pursuit of making a wife happy or the pursuit of making a husband happy has never led to happiness. Mm. What if there's men that aren't leading well? What if there's women that are struggling with um, husbands who don't believe? Let's mm. just kind of talk practically across some of those those situations. We've already done happy wife, happy life. We know holiness matters most. But what, what advice would we give somebody in a struggling marriage right now? How do you correct course? How do you get on the right track? <laughs> Had an opportunity to watch a movie last night called War Room. Some of you may have watched it. And it's very powerful and motivating on on prayer. I've told friends this, you know, I, I, I have to tell this to myself. I think prayer is so important and we neglect it. We mm. we don't we don't look to that as maybe one of the top things that we need to be doing. I think for for both spouses in a struggling marriage, you need to be praying. Pray for your spouse. Pray that God would bring their hearts closer to to God and to whatever it is God wants them to do in their life. But then you point that prayer on yourself as well, and you pray that for yourself. You're praying that God will change your heart and help you to see what it is God wants you to see. Allow God to move and work and change your heart to look more like Him. When you're praying for someone else, God does something in your heart. Mm. Be seeking the Lord, and He's going to show up. His Word says He he will. Mm. So two things come to mind. Pray for your spouse's holiness. Mm-hmm. Not their happiness. Mm-hmm. Let let God's holiness create joy in their life. And if you are thinking right now, if I pray for my spouse, they feel like my enemy. Because we're instructed to pray for our enemies. My heart breaks if, if that's how you feel right now. But if you have to pray for an enemy within your home that you've committed your life to, God, like you said, Nina, does something amazing where if we're praying for our enemies, our hearts change towards them. And and it's a miracle of what God can do as we surrender that person, what they've done, what they haven't done, um, and give that to God and ask Him to, to create holiness in our lives, help us to live out godliness and righteousness. And I, I think, like you're saying, if we pray for our spouse and equally pray for ourselves, that we, we experience God in a new way, be changed be holy as he is holy. Mm. That will revolutionize our marriages. But I also think that we have to remember our spouse isn't our enemy, even 100%. though like even though that's what you kind that's what Satan wants us to think or the you know our the enemy, the accuser. He accuses us for a reason so that we you know, he wants to push us down and he doesn't want God to be powerful in our life. And so he puts us against each other and you know, he comes to still kill and destroy, but we have one who has overcome all those things and, and he lives inside of us. You know, the Holy Spirit is living in us. He's alive and we have him. And so, you know, pray against the schemes of the enemy uh, because he's wanting you to think your spouse is your enemy and, and your spouse isn't your enemy. And he wants you to think you're alone in it too. Mm, yeah. So so this is specifically for men. There's application for women, but men, hear, hear me. 
first. Uh, I'm calling this out because I want you to hear this. (laughs) If the enemy can't take you down, if if you're finding victory in your personal life, he's going to attack your wife. He, He will come after your marriage. If he cannot take your wife down, take your marriage down, he will target your kids. And, and so we need to realize that as leaders, we are in a spiritual battle against the accuser, like my wife said. It's not your spouse. It's not your kids. Granted, they're going to do things, and you have done things that are just just sinful. We all do it. But if, if you're finding victory, the, the enemy's going to attack your marriage. If your mar- marriage just stays strong, it's going to attack your family. So we need to be ready. Um, as we're trying to lead our families well, as we're trying to be led well and um, pursue godly marriage. Yeah. And don't be passive. Like you know that, like you said, we are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle daily. And we don't talk about this much in our Western culture, although we saw it a little bit more up front when we lived overseas, but it's, it's happening and it, it's, it's real. And we need to, we need to get engaged in this battle with prayer and, and remember that God is with us and he's, you know, he's the Lord of hosts. It's really amazing. You know, what God can do in our own life in our spouse's life in our marriages in our families, when we let him really work and we call out the true enemy Man, there's a, a verse that comes to mind, and, and this verse, uh, I, I've, I'm afraid it's been misused in the past. And um, even though there's instruction for wives in this verse, I want to make sure that as godly men, as men who are desiring to be godly men, that we, we realize the importance of, of, what, of what's being asked of us. And I want to read in Ephesians 5.21. Oh, we'll just start stating that the context is, that, that the church is being instructed to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that's the backdrop is even in my context with the, the body of believers that I engage life with, I need to be submitting to them in certain ways they need to be submitting to me. But then there's this clarification that happens in, in verse 22. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and his, is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit and everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. And men get stuck on the instruction to the women, but they do not live life out well with the instruction as men. You will be a great leader. You will be a godly leader when you love your wife in a sacrificial way that you would give yourself up for her. And so we we can take that to the extreme. You would lay down your life for her. But there's so many steps between where I am right now, babe, and giving my life for you that I can love you. Mm. And I, I don't want to be I don't want to be sitting in the rocking chair all the time on far extreme. And I don't want to you know, think that the only way to love you is to die for you. That's what, what Jesus did for me. I want to do that for you. Mm. But there's so many baby steps <laughs> between those two mm. that I can lead you well by loving you well. Mm. And when I love you well, then you don't have a problem submitting to me as the head of our family. Man, our, our call to leadership is a costly call. It's a beautiful call. And, and we need to be acknowledging our weaknesses when we're not great leaders and figure out how to get to that place to lead our families well. Mm.
Thank you. That was a sweet word. In the same way, men, if we go to Ephesians 6, 4. Do you have that one up, babe? I will get to it. I appreciate that. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I just have a guess as to why it doesn't say mothers don't provoke your children to anger. (laughs) Because as men, we react and we respond in such a way in our own anger that that it's very clear the Ephesian church probably had a major issue where dads were just lashing out on their kids. So Mm -hmm. it's not for us to lash out in our personal anger, but it's to to lead well by bringing the instruction of the Lord into our families. And so as I'm thinking about for my future son-in-laws, I want these things for these men. Mm. I want them to lead my daughters well, to love them well. I want them to instruct future grandkids that we don't even know about yet to lead them well in the in the instruction of, of the Lord. Mm. And men, we mess up. But these are, these are the instructions. These are what God wants for us and our families. It, it also reminds me, and we talked about um, Proverbs 22.6 in one of our episodes. That was episode number 13. Mm-hmm. And that was called Handing Over the Keys. And we're talking about how do you train a child in the way they should go and take into consideration the unique giftings, weaknesses, and opportunities for that specific child. So if, if you want to think more about how men and how wives you want to raise your kids and and tailor to them, uh, uh, you know, help them think through their plan that God has for their lives, we, we recommend you check out episode number 13, Handing Over the Keys. Are there any other last moments or last little pieces of advice we, we have for people that are working through their marriages? Prayer. And let other people come in in as well and find that community that you can live out, not only your walk with Christ, but where people can be pouring into you, you can be pouring into them, and that you are growing together towards Christ uh, with one another, because we, we need the body of Christ. If you're single, you need the body of Christ. And you're if you're married, you need the body of Christ. And so, if you're an adult or a child, (laughs) you need the body of Christ. We all need it um, as followers of Christ. And so, it's um, it really is a beautiful thing when you can find a community that you can do life with, you can be accountable to, that you can love on and be loved, um, have that accountability with Mm -hmm. them to help you get through uh, stressful and difficult times in your life. And I know we've seen it in the community that we're in, and it's been a, a huge blessing for us. I'd, I'd say that that is also huge. But yeah, I think prayer is something that we need to put at the top. 100%. Just a quick recap. Pursuing godly marriage. It's for those of us who are already married and to have honest reflection. Are, are we loving our spouse in the way God is asking us to? Because our marriage reflects the marriage of of. The, the groom and the bride, Jesus Christ and the church. We need to be talking about these things with our families because when we lay that foundation for what a godly marriage looks like today, it will reap benefits for our kids in the future. And we have single people in our lives that are asking questions about marriage and, and needing advice. We need to be available to those single friends. But friend, if if you have somebody in your life who is single, they aren't second-class Christians. They aren't second-rate people. There is a gifting 
that that God has given to them, and and that's okay. Now, a, a quick reminder: in a state of singleness, you may find your person later, right? Mm, right. And that's okay too. Our friend who who originally asked these questions, who sparked this conversation today, we thank you. We so appreciate it, and we would love, like I said earlier, to hear more questions from all of our listeners, so that we can work through these things together as we desire to build faithful families. Thanks for listening to this podcast as we continue to ponder and work through what God's teaching us in our lives. We appreciate that you come alongside us and listen to us. And so we hope you have a blessed day. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you later.